0: That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder.
2: Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. This is another special Wednesday morning episode brought to you by our sponsor, Jeremy Clevenger Fitness, who we featured on episode 145. Now, if you've listened to the show for a while, you know that Jeremy helped me get in the best shape of my life in 2022. And if you're working on your health and fitness goals in 2023, I encourage you to put Jeremy in your corner to help you as well. There are links in the show notes to find all of his services. I have another great show lined up for you today, but before we get started, I just want to remind you to check out the leadership books I've written on either Amazon or my website, johnsrenny.com. This year I'm offering a new way to purchase all my books for a discount. I've bundled the books into what I call the Qualified Watchstander series, and you get all three books for 15% off the individual prices. This offer is only available on my website, so check it out if you're looking to step up your leadership game this year. Also, as a reminder, Deep Leadership is ranked in the top 2% most popular shows out of 3 million podcasts globally and is now ranked in the top 100 management podcasts in the U.S. thanks to your support. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening in each week and sharing these episodes with your friends. You have helped this podcast grow into a top-performing show, so thank you very much. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about Navy leadership. My guest is the host of the popular Don't Give Up the Ship podcast. He's a retired Master Chief with 21 years in the submarine service. Many of you know I cut my teeth in leadership in the submarine service, and I was honored to sit down and talk about leadership issues in the submarine force, in the Navy, in the military in general with a guy that cares deeply about leadership issues in the military. Now, this was such a great conversation. I had to break it into two episodes, so strap in to the first part of this powerful conversation. Are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. welcome to the deep leadership podcast today i'm joined by the host of the don't give up the ship podcast he is a retired master chief petty officer with 21 years in the submarine service he is now focused on the professional and leadership development of enlisted sailors and military members through his podcast and online resources now this is one of my go-to podcasts on leadership and i am honored to have him join me on this show to talk about all things leadership so welcome
0: well, thank you, thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. This is I, I've been looking forward to this.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm honored to have a a Master Chief on the show, our first Master <laughs> Chief in the, from the Navy, and uh, and a former submariner too. So, uh, absolutely, it's great, great to have you. Absolutely, I'm pumped. So, let's uh, tell us a little bit about your background, uh, what you did, and then I, and then tell us when you got this passion for uh, professional and leadership development
0: for sure yeah so i mean you mentioned it 21 years uh feels like five minutes and feels like 100 years at the same time but um yeah i uh I, so i joined the navy in 2000 I, it's 2002 but it was the september 11th attacks uh we were talking a little bit before recording i was a college student september 11th happened that kind of i was already looking at it but it pushed me over the edge uh and i joined the navy because my dad and uh brother are both navy vets uh brother was in at the time so that was it was just like uh, the a confluence of all kinds of circumstances uh, led me to that spent 21 years in submarine service three submarines three shore duties called it a day after a misadventure with cancer and anxiety and insomnia that's a whole nother rabbit hole we don't need to go down but also i saw uh i saw an opportunity to make the impact that i wanted to on active duty there was a, i've had a whole bunch of listeners and supporters say man you should be a fleet master chief. you should be a force master chief. you should be the Pond." And in my mind, I'm like, it doesn't matter if I was in those positions. I don't think I could affect the change that I can through the podcast. Uh, And the origin story there is uh, I was a chief at about 15 years uh, when I was an instructor uh, at the CSA school. And then I became the SEL there at the end. But I we kind of recognized the need. It wasn't just me. It was all the instructors. Uh, I started to hear all these stories about all these students reaching back asking for leadership help. It wasn't It wasn't like how do I, how, how do I be a better CS? It was how do I deal with this ch- tyrannical LPO? or I found myself based on like uh, unplanned losses and, and unforeseen complications in a leadership position very rapidly. What do I do with my hands? And so a lot of instructors were like answering Facebook messages, answering emails constantly about the same types of things. And so was I. And so I was, I was looking for a, a mechanism where I could just direct them, Hey, go to this resource. Um, and it, it, it didn't really exist at the time. And this was right around, this was, I, I started ab- about 2016. So this is right as podcasts were starting to get popular. Um, and I was looking for something that I could do uh, without my face and name on it. Cause I was still on active duty. And I thought it would be awkward if I, I got a following and then I was being like recognized at the exchange or something. Um, and I also had a big concern, uh, about cre- like having the credibility to get through to junior sailors. Cause that was my target audience at the, at the beginning, um, was just like E5 and below pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew them well enough to know that some chief with his face and name all on a podcast, like trying to sell themselves like a used car salesman immediately. Like I, you're not even gonna get past the link. Like you're just not going to listen so i was like this can't be about anything other than helping these people like mm. I, I needed to set it up in a way where you couldn't find a win for me it wasn't an eval bullet it wasn't a ego stroke i wasn't making money off of it nothing um and so that's why i was everybody gives me gives me a hard time about it um like the i go by d guts i don't put my name on it even to this day because it's not about me that's not why i'm doing it uh and i wanted to Build that credibility with junior sailors over time um so and we settled on a podcast because it was I, I gotta reach these kids where they are and i gotta do it in that in that way so i wanted to reach them through their phones like that appendage like that's built into their hands now we're all cyborgs but it's it's i can get them there um and i can they can listen to it while they're running they can you know mm. like all the uh, during a commute whatever also i didn't want my face or name on it so like youtube's out it like automatically i can't do like instagram things or whatever that's gotta be and i and i knew it would need to be long form as well like i would need time to work through a lot of these topics so uh i recorded the intro episode sent it to a bunch of people i trusted uh, like a kind of like a cross-section like junior sailors former students chiefs uh officers and said, Hey, is this a good idea or am I an idiot? And I just let the feedback come. And everybody universally was like, This is a good idea. And it, it's like, a really <laughs> good idea. I, I remember I was... finding it and I was
2: like, Holy yeah. cow, this is because at the time you were still active duty and you're mm-hmm. telling, you're basically helping, you know, uh, you know, so some junior sailors, more senior sailors, sailors that are transitioning into leadership roles. Mm-hmm. And you're you were just it was just a really solid. Leadership advice and and not only just helping the sailors and helping uh other military members, but just even myself as a leader, I was learning things from you in terms of leadership that I hadn't thought of. So it's, it's a, it was really a powerful thing. And, and you've got you've been doing it for seven years. Is that right? Seven
0: years. Yeah. I'm seven in years. year seven. Uh yeah. I and it's evolved a lot. Like so I, I mentioned I was I was targeting junior people. What I found as just a byproduct of my Going through this process of identifying what I believe to be the issues and sailor feedback or like listener feedback, because they're not all sailors now. Nowadays, I got everybody, but um, it's they were asking me questions and then I would I would analyze those things, talk about them. And what I found was I started to gain a pretty large following of chiefs, officers and like the the board eligible senior ish first classes the ones that were starting to really consider oh i'm an lpo i'm gonna i you know probably gonna be a chief and they were starting to like question their readiness and and or or, like first classes that don't have a chief what do i do how do i fill this gap and interact with the mess and all that stuff so i very quickly uh figured out that just like the issues that i'm talking about Like every, every, every sailor will tell you their, their biggest issue that they have on a daily basis is the byproducts of incompetent leadership. They're not going to articulate it exactly like that, but that's what they're going to be trying to convey. Um, and, and so I started talking a lot about chief stuff because again, like if I could fix anything in the Navy, it'd be the chief's mess. Uh, and we won't go down that rabbit hole. You can go listen to my podcast if you really (laughs) want to find out, but it's, uh, it's it's kind of like it's every e6 and below's biggest problem. It's probably every e7 and above's biggest problem, um, and so by just by virtue of talking about that, it evolved into this audience of I, I got stacks of emails from chiefs saying like you reinvigorated me and ta- taught me all these things and showed me ways of doing things I never entertained and and like I've had, I literally have messages saying you changed my life, which blows my mind every time it happens. But it's like it. it I didn't, I wasn't anticipating even having that audience. I, I had a lot of concern about like, um, and it's like imposter syndrome stuff, but like concerns that the Chiefs mess, like I would get a backlash because I criticize it a lot. Um, I, I admit we're doing a lot of things wrong and I, I include myself in that, right? I'm not, I'm far from perfect, but um, what what I found was it was almost like there's this silent majority within the chief's mess that all kind of feel the same way. But when they look around the room in the mess, they're like assuming no one else does and that they're on an Island, but to hear me say it, they're just like, Oh, somebody else thinks the way I do. And it turns out a lot of people do. Like I've never interacted with a chief petty officer active or retired that vehemently disagrees with what I'm saying. I'm just the one that's willing to say it. Um, it seems. And so, yeah, it's, it's evolved quite a bit. Uh, It's super fun. I've learned so much. I'm a better communicator. I'm a better speaker. Um, I have connected with incredible people, including yourself. Like I was just on the phone with retired fleet master chief, Paul Kingsbury, who does the Cutlass podcast. Like, yeah. And he's been on mine a bunch of times. Like he, it's just, and I just had an hour long conversation with him about leadership stuff. And then we're going to do a podcast. And he, he sent me an article he wants to talk about. And so it's, it's, it's incredible. Like I just like some ca- like casually some retired fleets texting me. And to me, that's still weird. Like, <laughs> just yeah, like yeah. I'm just like I'm hoping to get a, a retired Mick on soon. Like just all this stuff that and it's not just because he's a retired Mick pond. It's because he has a really interesting story to tell. Um, but yeah, I just it's it's it's. it's I've kind of let it evolve into freely into this wild thing. It's like the people give me a weird joke in earlier about the three hour, four hour podcast that I do sometimes. And it's like, I've found that, uh, I, I arrive in these unexpectedly amazing places with, with guests when I just kind of say it's going to go where it goes for as long as it goes. Uh, I can edit it so I can shorten it if I need to, but, or if we like talk about something and somebody gets too vulnerable or just overshares, I can edit, but I have found myself in places with with uh, guests where they're we're talking about things and they're sharing things that I would have never imagined was going to come up on the podcast. But it's like incredible content that resonates with the listener, and teaches me things. So it's and that's kind of the theme of like the development of the podcast, too. It's just kind of like that's turning into a whole different thing now that I'm retired, even where I have I now have two people on the hook to potentially do uh, podcasts that I'm going to publish but it's I'm basically going to I I really, really would love to turn my podcast platform into like a proceedings magazine podcast form, yeah. like where people are just contributing sporadically, regularly, whatever. Um, and so I'm publishing multiple podcasts per week under the umbrella. But it's like I want different perspectives than just my own, even when I'm talking to a guy like you, like I don't want it to like I, I'm going to flavor this conversation with my perspective and opinion and whatever. And I want to hear from other people and other perspectives, even, even if they're like wildly opposed to what I'm talking about or, or just a contrary opinion, like bring it, come, come come on with it. I want to hear Mm. from everybody. I want to talk to everybody. Um, But I also want, like, I I got a couple of junior sailors. I think it's going to, it might be a one-off. I don't know. Um, They're going to do a podcast on, I think it's the, so like the misadventures of uh, this previous McPond uh, when he went to the aircraft carrier. Yeah. Yeah. Like Tori saw hands call. But it's two e6s that are going to talk about it and i'm not even going to be on it like i'll probably i'll bookend it with an intro outro but i don't want to flavor that conversation at all i want i want to hear their perspective on it how did they ex- experience that how did they yeah. interpret everything he said i
2: mean Which, my son's you know, my son's an e5 and his best right. friends an e5 is in and they, they you know i'm just listening to them they were they were both <laughs> home for christmas and just hearing them talk about that, yeah. you know yeah they the e5 perspective on that you know is interesting yeah. you know
0: yeah and, mm. and it's 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 one of those things where it's like, I think I know generally uh, how it was interpreted. I mean, if nothing else, from just filtering through like Reddit and the memes that just like flooded the Navy Internet, like on social media and everything. But I I don't really know. And it's like and from person to person, I'm sure there's like nuanced differences. And it's like I want I want to hear about that. And I think my listeners do, too. Um, So that's the goal um, is I I got a, a handful of people that I'm talking to about doing it. Uh, and so that's, you know, I, I would have never imagined that's where it was going to go. Yeah. I never imagined I'd end up on YouTube and also, you, you buy a microphone. Yeah. Next thing you know, you've done all that, these yep. things. You uh, never, yeah. I'm, I, I'm I heard you, I heard you talking on a
2: podcast where like the PXO school would wanted uh, mm. to, you know, were recommending to listen to your podcast and PXO yeah. school are, these are, these are, uh, officers who are about to become the executive officer, either on yeah. a ship or a submarine. And they're, they've been I'm recommended sure. to listen yeah. to your podcast. So how does that feel?
0: I I was shook. I like it was my first really um like really gr- like meaningful uh, concrete indicator that the idea I had of retiring and doing this which it's not it's not the only reason I retired there's a lot of other reasons. But um I was really excited at the idea of being able to devote more time and bandwidth and effort to the podcast and it freed me up to do YouTube and expand in all these ways that I wasn't before but it was the first really meaningful sign I had that institutional change was possible in this way. Because if they're recommending me at the XO school, like at the PXO pipeline, you're I'm acce- not only am I accessing, but but they care enough and believe enough in what I'm doing to think it's important enough, yeah, to recommend it to what is effectively um, two of the three triad members right because they're those exos become COs. so it's like i'm not just accessing uh exos like i'm accessing exos that are going to become CEOs, and that's like i i still like have a hard time wrapping my mind around it and granted like they're not all going to access it it's not like it's part of the curriculum it's just on a list of recommendations but it was a it was a sign to me that not i i kind of knew they were listening already um just analytics and like people have recommended it and, Hey, I texted this to all the active fleet master chiefs. <laughs> I'm like, thanks. I don't know how I feel about that. This is why I'm still on active duty. Um, But it's like, I, I kind of knew they were listening based on the analytics of who's listening. Um, But I had never seen like an overt sign of like, not yeah. only are they listening, but they it's like, it's resonating. And, and when I had a listener, cause I didn't even see it myself. A listener reached out to me and said, Hey, they're recommending your podcast at PXO school. like what (laughs) like because i didn't it's not like i i try. i pushed it i didn't sell myself to anybody it just happened and that was really really encouraging to me and there's a few other instances like that where the institution um like or a a subset of the leadership in, in the institution that is the navy was actively recommending like you need to go listen to this dude and i was just like like okay like maybe i can make this work the way that i thought that's
2: wild uh Let's just talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, obviously, you have a passion for leadership. You have a passion for seeing yes. better leadership in the Navy. What are some of the challenges you see in Navy leadership today? And not, you know, <laughs> you don't have to, you know, throw one under the bus. But, but some things. That, I mean, we we see a lot of problems. Uh, I read a yeah. lot of news stories. Suicides are up. Uh, mm-hmm. People are frustrated. Uh, you know, people. There was there was a lot of conflict over the COVID shots, and a mm-hmm. lot of people got a of good people yep. left over that. What are some of the some of the leadership challenges
0: that you see in happening in the Navy these days? Because I'm limited in time. The one I'm (laughs) going to focus on was I talked, I talked to a first class or uh, a few days ago. Um, she's trying to start a podcast. That's one of the people I'm talking to about. Like that podcast would be one of the ones that would be under my publishing umbrella if that's how she decides to go with it. But, uh, she asked me, we, well, we ended up on the topic and she asked me a question that it's, to me and it sounds harsh when i say it and i say it regularly nowadays um and it's h- highly influenced by a book called the peter principle uh it's about hierarchies and how they work i highly recommend it to everyone um but it's leadership incompetence is 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 the problem and it's it's a broad umbrella to put a bunch of stuff under but what i find is the navy likes to deal with the symptom of of problems with nav admins and programs and, and remedial training and stuff like that. And it's almost always reactive. But uh, in addition to being reactive, it's always treating what is only the symptom of a problem. And an example is acute mental health issues in the military. It's, they're looking at it you know, in a vacuum, like we have these mental health issues, we need mm. to do mental health things to fix mental health issues. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but why? Why is it, it why is the rate of suicide skyrocketing? Why is the acute mental health issue skyrocketing? Why, in the in the words of Mick Pond Smith during that notorious all hands call, can we not get enough mental health resources to keep pace with demand no matter what we do? Why is that the case? Because it wasn't the case before. We I mean we've always had mental health issues in the military, but we have like really bad acute mental health issues all over the place that are affecting uh, u- unit efficacy and the ability to deploy. And I mean, look at the SRBs they're offering sailors to come to the Navy. Like you just gotta be breathing and we'll give you six figures. Like, please join the military. So, um, but they, they it, I, I feel, uh, I, and I can't concretely say this cause I've never been in DC in those rooms, but based on the behavior of the organization, they don't recognize that the, to me again, like, and, and I think like any, any sailor or, or military member, or probably a veteran that you ask the reason why you have the level of stress that leads to acute mental health issues is poor leadership and mm-hmm. the leadership interactions that, that affect the lives of these sailors. So, so badly that we end up with acute mental health issues. Mm-hmm. It's just incompetence because consider like you like, we're both submariners right you're not going to stand a watch unless you're trained and qualified to do so so right. how dare us as an organization allow people into leadership positions without being trained and qualified to do what we're asking of them and yeah. it's wildly more impactful uh and and just like meaningful to the organization and the mission we're trying to accomplish that they're ready to do that right like yeah. i stood diving yeah. off to the watch for three years it's infinitely more important that I'm as qualified and prepared and knowledgeable as I was about ships control that with leadership, like I, I have like six, seven people in my division. I have about 12 to 15 in my department, depending on the size of the submarine. It's like those people are the end user of my leadership. If I'm incompetent at doing that, yeah, not just, not just the, because you, you talk about it and people think about like our interactions, like on a day-to-day basis, just talking or how I treat you or how I make you feel Those are all really important, but also I can wreck your entire outlook and level of of motivation, commitment to the mission and the organization and everything else without ever seeing you in real life. I can do it with a pen. I can do it inside of incepts when I I deny your leave or recommend that it not be approved or just sit on it for forever, right? Like there's all kinds of things I could do where I just destroy your, uh, like, sense of belonging to this organization without ever even seeing you and and that probably happens quite a bit on larger platforms like an aircraft carrier or a base or whatever so to me it's rampant leadership incompetence, and mm-hmm. it's not the fault and this is an important point because it, it does sound so harsh it sounds like i'm attacking everybody wearing khakis in the military and i'm not because i used to be that guy it's not their fault they don't know how to do it it's the organization's responsibility to teach them how to do it and i often uh align this or parallel it with uh culinary specialists everybody complains about food constantly right i got a fancy culinary degree real industry experience if you let me go teach you're that's going to be the best food you've ever had on a ship because i have that capacity that level of knowledge the training and the experience to to do that however if you keep me tied up in in ship's control which is what happened on my last submarine the food's not going to be that good Mm -hmm. I, i don't have any fleet returnees I have a a division of junior guys that never see me. We'll be
1: right back after a quick word from our sponsors.
2: This podcast is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area they are lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. But how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best person for the job. Now, don't struggle on your own. Put Jeremy Clevenger on your team. Jeremy will work with you to help take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step all-inclusive coaching program. Now, I've worked with Jeremy for the past year, and I'm in the best shape of my life. So if you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at jeremyclevengerfitness.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. This episode is brought to you by the Fraternity of Excellence. The Fraternity of Excellence is an online and real-world community for men who are looking to improve in all areas of their lives. The men of FOE are working together to become better husbands, fathers, and leaders at work and in their communities.
0: I was standing eight hours of dive every day, plus post watch, pre watch brief from all those shenanigans. I don't know if that happened in your time, but oh, yeah. <laughs> it just keeps growing. <laughs> like yes. where they're just making up ways to steal more of your time. And then yeah, you know, I'd get off watch and I am I was a battle stations drill guy. So I was writing drills and anomalies and route yep. the drill package, brief the captain, <laughs> do, all, do all that. I was assistant ship's diving officer. I was writing and grading exams. I was sitting at sitting dive boards. I was yeah. doing all those. And then the Cobb would pawn a lot of his work off on me because he was preparing me to be a Cobb. So I'm signing the plan of the day. I'm doing checkouts as the Cobb for duty chief and all this other stuff. I was the Simeo. I was president of every NJP. I was doing the command climate, climate survey. Was, it, it was never ending what I wasn't doing was my job. Thank God I had off a just hyper capable second class, uh, as an LPO. But it also like, I had moments where I had to put that kid back together again with a glue stick because he was falling apart under the stress of all the things that he was doing that were my job. But I couldn't, you know, I didn't have the bandwidth to do it. And it was like, I, I, argued and, and try, I tried to get off the watch wheel so I could spend time training the guys. I tried to get off the watch wheel just so I could be a, a, a resource that was available to my LPO and help him out. Cause it wasn't fair that he had to do all those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and we've, yeah, we've, and it
2: was it's almost like we've we've loaded too much on to because I always say that if you're not a, if you're a doer, you're not a leader, you know, uh, and I see that in the civilian world a lot where people sure. will yeah. get themselves so busy that they never see their team. Right. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it wasn't that you wanted to be that busy. You were you were forced to be that busy. Right. Like, it's like to do right. your job is all these other things. And you're like, well, wait a second. Mm-hmm. I also have to run this department. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, and you've, you've given me zero time to run to the partner. <laughs> you
0: know? Yeah. And, and pra- I would say, yeah, practically, like uh, if you're doing it, like if I'm getting my hands dirty, then I'm not actively leading, but, yeah, it was, it was very much a bandwidth issue because I was leading. I just wasn't doing it in the, in the, my work center or my department. Like I would come by as much as I possibly could, but like I was leading the ship. I was, I was leading us in battle stations, missile things, which are very important. It was, it was our primary missile, uh, primary, uh, mission on a ballistic missile submarine. So it's like, yeah, we have to do those things. War day is important, I guess. Like you got to train and be proficient so that if we're called upon to do it, we can do it. And we know we can do it. Um, but in the mind of a of a nuclear train like so an 1120 commanding officer that's all that matters like food yeah whatever lunch will be there like they don't they don't care about those things they don't care that i have instructions that tell me that like you're going to have a jagman on your hands if i don't do my job well because i'm managing you know half a million dollars of of food the LSs are managing just millions upon millions of dollars of of inventory of parts and and oh, so it's, it's else
2: it's, it's incredible yeah it, and the right. thing is like if you want to you know, people, people don't realize like when you're, when you're locked in a metal tube and you're out there for months at a time, food is really important. It's like, real important. <laughs> it's about the only thing good you have in life yeah. is, is your food, right? And if your food sucks, you're not going to have a happy, career, right? I can tell you that, you know, right? and, exactly. and we always had, we, we just had amazing. Uh, we had amazing crew on, on the Tennessee and we always mm-hmm. had the, the best food and, and yeah. I'll never forget yeah. that. And, uh, wow. But, I, but you're right. And I think one of the things you touched on, I think is really important. You said, and I think this is really, really key, we do a really good job, especially in the submarine force, and getting mm-hmm. getting qualified on watch stations, yep. right? You have to spend and a lot maintaining of time. You gotta prove proficiency your knowledge. And, yep. and and you know, getting your dolphins is not an easy task, right? right. It's a long, long process. And mm-hmm. people think, well, you're an officer. That was easy. No, it was not easy. No, it's right? not. No, They it's take not. you, they take you through
0: just <laughs> the life of a junior officer. Sweet <laughs> Jesus. Like yeah. top three things I wouldn't want to do on a submarine, yeah. be an A-ganger, being a, a nuclear electrician, and be a junior officer on their first yes. tour. Good oh, yeah. Lord. I don't but, have Especially department. a butter bar. Yeah. Showing up as yeah. an
2: ensign, that yep. sucked. <laughs> I can tell you that for sure. But, uh, but yes, but one of the things is they do a really good job qualifying you to do these really difficult things, right? Yeah. Um, but yet, we don't have a qualification process for leadership. Mm-hmm. You don't have a qual card for we don't, being qualified to be a leader.
0: Right. We don't even have a, a robust leadership development and education program, which I I, I understand like not having a PQS for it or Mm. a a qualification process, even though I think you could accomplish that in a, in a productive way. We don't even have like, we we don't put time, effort and resources into just caring enough to do like robust leadership development education. Like Mm. they, you see these little like tiny efforts, which feels like they're trying to address the symptom of a problem where, We, like back in, back in the day, they had like nav lead probably when you were in, Yeah, went to a couple of those courses and they're pretty good. But then as soon as, uh, Netsy, the education and training command headed budget cut, the first thing they cut was nav lead, which is Mm. insane. I would, I would delete every other school there is except leadership. Like that would be the last thing to go. So then, uh, they went into the command deliver training, which was the most brain dead decision I have ever analyzed in my entire career in and out of the Navy as far as like, like, Oh yeah. You know what? The command that could barely do what they need to do and sleep at the same time. You got to do the leadership development stuff too. <sighs> so the PO in doc turned into a box check. Like they weren't, most commands didn't even do it. They just went into whatever the yeah, system was yeah. and checked it off. Um, so then they were like, okay, well there's recognition. Finally, that this is a giant waste of time, money and whatever. It's not even happening really. So they came up with, uh, it's NLEC ELD, it's a Naval Leadership and Ethics Center is uh, doing an enlisted leadership development thing where in, they kind of compromised with the brick and mortar versus uh, like command delivered and stuff where they want a bunch of people that are on shore duty to get uh, certified as facilitators. And then we kind of uh, pull from wherever those people are, when those people have bandwidth, organize a class, and then all the people come in and, and get that class. I've heard good and bad reviews, mostly good. The problem being they started, they came up with it. They're like, oh, hey, this is a great idea. We're going to stand up all this infrastructure. And then once it's solid state, we're going to mandate it as like a PMK thing you need to do before you promote. Uh, The problem is COVID happened. So like they right when they were starting to try to roll it out, COVID just ate all that progress. Mm -hmm. And then it never really spun back up. There was never really any sense of urgency once COVID kind of calmed down to spin that program back up so it's like it's still not really it's just this thing i talk about occasionally and it seems like a thing that they're just talking about occasionally on on the active duty side of it um that it's not it doesn't seem to be gaining momentum um and then i've actually heard which is discouraging um the ones that are happening are kind of not great um Mm. lately which I, i haven't heard that from a lot of people so i'm hoping that it's an anomaly but yeah it's there's just They're not even doing education, like along the whole way. And that, like, when I started the podcast, that was the recognition of of I joined the Navy, got zero leadership development and education outside of happening upon strong mentors, which was blind luck until I got to the senior enlisted academy as a chief. And that was early. I was like a 15 year chief, eligible for senior chief. And I squeaked in one of those classes that had an opening. So, 15 years in, and you're starting 15 years in, which. I mean, all my—if I had bad behaviors, every single one of them was ingrained in me. Every one of them had been validated along the way through promotions and awards and advancement through positions and everything. Like so, by the time you get to the Senior List Academy, I mean, fifty percent of the people that I was there with were there to check a box that they perceived because it was going to become mandatory to make Master Mm -hmm. Chief. So they were there to, and I heard them say it out loud. Senior Chiefs, just like I don't care, I'm just here to like get the piece of paper so I can promote. Mm. And it's like, it was, it it was mind blowing to me. It should be a CPO Academy because that was the level of what was happening there. And it blew my, like, it was incredible. And I'm not saying like, I didn't, it didn't revolutionize my like leadership outlook, but I learned some stuff and I thought it was extremely productive. And it's, it felt like the type of thing we should be putting chiefs through within like the first year or two of Mm. their uh, wearing khakis. So, but we're not even doing that. Like we're not, we, can, we can't we can even get the throughput up on the senior enlisted academy to make it mandatory to promote to master chief. Like mm. there's not that many master chiefs in the Navy when you like right. compare it to the, to the scope of the energy, like quarter million-ish people in the Navy. I mean, how many master chiefs are there? Like a couple thousand, maybe? Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like, you can't even get those and, and you're looking at eligible. So there's more senior chiefs. So like multiply that by whatever. But I, we can't even get a throughput of like, five to ten thousand people on one school mm. and so it's but i bet you that throughput exists on like fucking sorry um some like technical school for a gangers yeah. or some yeah. wire rate technical school that's like there's radium and, and sonar in schools that are six months long like yeah. how how can we do that but we yeah. can't have i mean i was in residence for three months and did like six weeks or three weeks, and did six weeks on Blackboard online.
2: Well, even if you're at one of these schools, that you, you could embed leadership as part of the program, right? Exactly, you know, sure. Especially yep. as you're ranking up, and one of the things mm-hmm. I like about the Navy is you start off, you know, with you're a doer, right, and then as you, you evolve into a leadership role, and when you reach yeah. that chief petty officer, usually a first-class petty officer, you've got some, right. some good leadership responsibilities, and then then you, you you become a chief and then really your, your your doing goes down and your leading is supposed to take over yeah. so you would think that as you progress in your navy journey as you're sent to schools that they should be weaving the leadership into your whatever class your whatever yeah. schools you're going to uh yep. because okay now you're in the e5 range or sorry e uh uh e6 e7 range here's Mm. here's the training that should go along with that because now you're leading a group of 10 people likely so so you know but you you could weave that into existing schools my son who is e5 he spent two years
0: in school before he showed up to his ship right two years two solid years years, yeah Yeah. nukes are it's like four years yeah and it's like like okay so like you're telling me that leadership isn't important in the operation of a nuclear reactor. I beg to differ. Like, <laughs> like well, how are we
2: as officers, and lately, I don't know if it's the same, you know, since I've left, but mm-hmm. we had a technical rating. That was very important. And your technical rating determined what likely if you got command, essentially. <laughs> you didn't have a leadership rating. You had a technical rating. It was based on how you did at Nuke School, how you did prototype, how you did on the engineers exam, and how yeah. you did uh serving, you know, in your first JO tour. You would have a technical yeah. rating. And I always thought, like, why why not a leadership rating? I mean, right. that should be that's even more important than how to be how, the know, commanding
0: officer of a submarine. You would think We're that is number one, not like yeah. you know, yeah,
2: you know, how many how many Holy control rods in the reactor,
0: right? Yeah, you know? like, not that that's not really important. Also, like, I don't, I. A lot of times when I talk to people, like, I don't want to discount the importance of technical competency at all. Like, it's really important. The submarine is trying to kill you at all times with pressurized hydraulics, pressurized air, radioactive material, the seawater outside the people tank, fire if it decides to rear its ugly head. Like, it's you. It's really important that you know how to fight that ship. But we're doing a really good job of making sure people are ready to fight that ship by right. all of those metrics we talked about earlier with the qualification submarines and then the qualification yeah. and proficiency and training that we get, uh, for watch stations. And so
2: we have some else, people so. skill stuff in there. We have some yeah. leadership stuff in there. Yeah. <laughs> so. I
0: mean, and I'm not like, I say this all the time, which makes me feel like people think I am, but like, I'm not auditioning for the job, but there are plenty of people like me that yeah. like, I talked to Dave Deary, uh, of the enlisted leadership foundation. That was a po- I just had that podcast come out today. Um, I was like when I talked to him he's already kind of doing it. They have like leadership academies. They're a non-profit with a bunch of like retired fleets and CMC's and all that. Um there's probably some officers in there too I'm just not aware. Uh like I know Joanne ortloff's involved. She's a retired fleet mass chief. Um blah blah blah. But it, it's they run leadership academies in the San Diego area and commands can use uh travel funds to send somebody at, at cost orders TAD to these leadership academies when the schedule permits. And they'll do it for you. So mm. I'm like, why, 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 Department of the Navy, have we not cut this man a check yet? Just mm. let him do it. Like, yeah. like it's not, you don't even need I've been saying that for years about not it went from just chief season involvement to leadership development education across the board to uh like leadership period. Why we're not leveraging veterans and retirees for those jobs? I'm mm. I'm beside myself. Like one of my cobs, uh, he was my cobb when I made chief uh, on the Jimmy Carter, and uh, he's the guy that pinned my master chief anchors on me, like with my wife. Uh, he I, He's a national treasure. Uh, that guy, I mean, he would volunteer to do it. He doesn't need the money. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there are people yeah. that, especially being in the, in the capacity I am now, I would volunteer to do it. I, you don't gotta pay. I mean, granted, like if it became a full-time job, it's a different conversation. But like, if I'm just showing up to facilitate a class twice a month just to have that access to sailors. Like I might bring a microphone and use some of it for my own purposes, but like I would do it just because I love doing it. And it's extremely yeah. rewarding and fulfilling, but it also feels like, like it's like my prime directive. I feel like I have a responsibility to do it still, mm-hmm. even though yeah. I'm not in uniform anymore. So, so sign me up. Like I would yeah. sign up on a volunteer sheet to come facilitate that course that like if ELF expanded to like, now they're in Norfolk and, Washington and, you know, I don't know, like, wherever, um Groton, where we're doing it that way, like, sign me up, you don't got to pay yeah. me a dime. And I bet you, you would see, I mean, it might not be, you might not get enough volunteers to sustain that uh at the one that you scale it up, but the resources are abundant, and they're just not being oh, yeah. leveraged yeah. outside of, because that's what they probably some bean counter in whatever, wherever Bupers is, in DC probably, is, is looking at their spreadsheet and going, well, we couldn't do that because we, we don't have enough active duty sailors to man ships and shore commands. So how what active duty sailors are we gonna send to go do this?
2: Yeah. How about not, a couple of us not veterans not, out here? That's
0: how many, <laughs> like you got, yeah, you, me, Jeff Bayless, Jason Thompson, yeah. uh, Paul Kingsbury, like I could go on yeah, and that yeah. would all be my retired Cobb. And I mean, Rick West lives in my area like yeah. retired mick ponds just that would happily they show up to the senior list academy all the time and go into leadership hall and like just soak up like like people think that they're there because the senior list academy asked them they're there for because they want to access sailors they want to mm-hmm. access chiefs and hang out with chiefs and feel like they're back in the game for a minute yeah, and yeah. it's like yeah. that's that's why you would get such a robust response in my opinion uh, yeah said that kind of a yeah. thing so yeah it blows my <laughs> mind that they haven't just cut dave Deary a check
2: Well, that's it for today. Listen in Saturday for the second half of this interview. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well.
1: Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed.